stuff because I feel like such a hypocrite. Anybody ever heard that? Everybody ever feel that? Oh man, dude, I can't go to church. That'll make me a hypocrite. Well, fit right in with all the other hypocrites. I mean, it's not a perfect place. I tell people all the time, they're like, yeah, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm like, well, I'm a hypocrite. Man, I plan to do stuff all the time that I don't get done. I'm a hypocrite. I'm just honest about it. Hey, Lord, help me not be a hypocrite. often we view church as a sort of holy of holies, where if we enter with any sin in our lives, we'll immediately face the judgment of God as well as that of any people in there who seem like they have everything together. As Pastor Mark explains in today's message, instead we need to view the church as more of a clinic. Everyone that enters its doors is bringing struggles and sinfulness in with them. None of us have got it all figured out. We come to church seeking the healing and restoration that can only be found through Christ Jesus. Well, Let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 with today's edition of Come Alive. Look at verse 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted the food. And so leading by intimidation is what Saul does here. He's going to be that guy who's going to scare you, and fear is another point of pride. So leading by intimidation and fear are another point of pride if you're taking notes. The spiritual condition of our hearts are not only revealed by our actions, right? Uh, what you do will tell your spiritual conditions. If you like somebody and say, hey, I'm going to be there for you, and you show up, you've proven it. But if you say, hey, dude, I really like you, I'll be there for you, and you don't show up, and there's no call, no nothing, then it's like, man, where do I stand? Uh, how important am I if you just constantly stand me up? So uh, it's revealed by our actions. Also by the words we speak. Well, what kind of words do you speak? What do you say? Are you encouraging? Are you building up? See, his heart was not right with God, so he forces his army to take a vow. He forces them to take a vow, and that's a fasting until evening. Now, you might think, oh, man, I go without meals all the time. But try to run around carrying your sword and some armor, chasing some guys up and down hills all day long. I went on a 10-mile hike once without any food, and I thought, man, after about five of those miles, I was ready to eat a tree. I was looking for squirrels. I was like, I'd eat one raw. I was so hungry. My body started craving protein. And so what Saul does is he didn't impose this fast because it was God's will, because God had asked him to do it, but because he wanted the soldiers to think him a man wholly devoted to God. He wanted to look like he was a spiritual guy. That's called religion. I always say that, you know, when people are like, oh, man, you know, you're a pastor. Yeah, man, I'm not that religious. Well, I'm not either. They just kind of look at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean? Like, I'm not religious. I I just have a relationship. I I spend time talking to God, hanging out with God. Oh, you mean like you and God go fishing? Like, yeah, fishing right now. You're the one we're fishing for. What's that mean? Well, it means that 
If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, let me just ask you this. If you were to die right now, where would you go? That's my favorite thing. Like, I don't know. Ask me where I would go when I'm going home. If I told you I didn't know, would you think I'm crazy? Yeah. And you don't know when you're going to die where you're going? No. Well, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. He died for you. The other day I had an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, and I thought, man, how can I do this and make this person understand? So I said, man, there was this one gang, and then there was this other gang. And this dude knew that this one gang was coming after this other gang, his gang. And so he said, you know what? Instead of all of you dying, I'll just die. I'll, I'll go out there and I'll die for the gang. I'll, I'll die for this far group. And so when I asked this person, this kid this, I said, you think that's a cool thing? He goes, man, that'd be the greatest. I go, well, would you be upset if somebody disrespected him? He's like, man, I surely would if he was in my gang. I said, man, that dude's name was Jesus. So we just kind of talked about it and it was related. It's just those little bitty things that you can do to explain to people. And so not to look more spiritual or more holy. I mean, I was scared. I was like, man, I I don't want to do this, Lord. I I got stuff I have to do. I want to talk to this kid right now, but I will. And so as I do those things, it's like, hey, you know what? I didn't want this guy to think I was super holy. I didn't do it around a bunch of people and who needs to be saved? Get out of the car and have some Native Americans chasing me down the street. See, it was as if Saul was putting himself and his men under those oaths of unnecessary self-denial. Unnecessary self-denial is what Saul did to his men. It wasn't necessary. And we'll find out why. Look at verse 25. Now all the people of the land came to the forest and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father's charge. And the people with, uh, charged the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of his rod that was in his hand, and he dipped it into the honeycomb, and he put his hand to his mouth, and his countenance brightened. So here, Jonathan wasn't there. He didn't hear the oath. So he sees this stuff. He sees the spoils of the enemy. He sticks his staff down into it, brings it up, puts his hand on it, licks it, and he's like, oh, man, I'm feeling good now. i got some energy. And then everybody, and you know the crazy thing? Think about this. There was a bunch of people watching this. Why didn't somebody say, hey, bro, wait a minute. Your dad said if anyone does that, they die. But they're all like, let's watch Jonathan. <laughs> Isn't that what we do sometimes as Christians? We're like, oh, watch that guy. He's going to get hit by a car. He's going to die. He doesn't know the Lord. He's laid up sick and probably not going to make it. But you know what? It's all right. We ain't going to say anything. <laughs> he should have known better. We do that. We just watch. We're spectators. Verse 28, then one of the people said, after it was done, notice, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. See, Jonathan is like, man, if we would just quit being religious and denying ourselves these things, our countenance would brighten. Anybody know a religious person? They walk around, they're not the happiest dude. They're they're kind of bummed out. They're they're the ones that are constantly, well, that's the Eeyore Christian. Gloom and doom. Got to go to church so I can hear another message. Man, my life's just really stinking. You know, I was at the men's retreat last week, and this guy actually stood up and at the testimony part, and, and uh, he goes, you know, Mark Martinez's testimony was the worst testimony I've ever heard in my life. And I sat there, and I was just like, man, did that guy just kick me in the head? And I was just like, I didn't even give my testimony. 
And he was like explaining how after he got saved, life got rough. See, that guy never walked up to ask me what my life was like. All I said is after I got saved, it seemed that the sky was bluer, the trees were greener. It didn't mean there were flowers smelled better. I just noticed things. Scales fell off my eyes. I went through one of the worst periods of my life right after I got saved. But I didn't care. I was kind of laughing, and I just said, hey, man, anything I can do to help, you know, and, and, and move on. But he was one of those gloom and doom Christians until a point in time in his life. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I was happy for him that he had changed. But there are those that are around that life just stinks for them all the time. And they got this book. Well, you know, life's not going good for me. Well, does it say life's supposed to go great for you? Where in here does it say you're supposed to have the best furniture, the biggest house, the nicest job, the coolest car, the most wonderful obeying children, the prettiest wife who works out every day, prepares your meal, sets it on your lap, and you never gain weight? Where does it say that? It doesn't. I mean, chubby people get skinny by working hard to get skinny. I started working out last week and I gave up. I'd rather be chubby. See, no sensible commander would deny food to his troops for energy while fighting the enemy. We need food to fight the enemy, spiritual food. But yet we tend to deny ourselves of that by not showing up to church, not showing up to Bible studies, not having quiet time, not praying. Not discussing the things of the Lord with friends and neighbors. Because, yeah, you can have the food, but if you don't get into action, then, yeah, you're going to look like a chubby guy. Some of us chubby guys are all like sucking it in right now. Like, man, I can't go any further. Look at verse 30. How much better if people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found, for now there would not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. If we had more energy, we'd have been able to go out there and really open up a can on them. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Agilon, and so the people were very faint. Verse 32, And the people rushed on the spoil, and they took sheep, oxen, calves, and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with blood. So they were distressed and tired. To have confidence is, well, when we obey God's commands, when we walk by faith. Presumption is when we obey unnatural human regulations. We only tempt the Lord in doing that. So this fast would shift their attention from the battle at hand to an abnormal craving of food. An abnormal craving of food. Uh, This fast made them just not think about the battle at hand, the, the, the thing that's at hand. Sometimes we do that. When we take this away from our lives, we have this abnormal craving for the things of the world. Isn't that weird how that happens? When our, our Bible and our prayer time and our walk with the Lord is set aside, it's like, wow, man, Lord, if I could just have or do. So this abnormal craving took the attention away. And so now what happens? Because of Saul, what do they do? They act like animals. They're tearing into sheep and goats and just eating with the blood, and they're not supposed to do that. So Saul has caused these guys to stumble. Uh, they, they were required to drain out the blood before preparing the meat. Uh, they knew the requirements for cooking meat. See, a real spiritual vow will always bring out the best in people. But Saul's carnal vow brought out the worst. These people are sinning because of one guy. Because he thought it was a cool thing to do. Because he wanted to look spiritual. He wanted to look holy. Verse 34. Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. 
So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. And then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he had built to the Lord. It's funny that they kind of just point that out. This is, I mean, this guy's been in, in service for a while now, and this is his first altar. Saul assumed spiritual leadership and makes this command that the animals be brought so he could sacrifice them to the Lord. You see, he tries to turn this feeding frenzy into something a little more positive, but it's like it's not going to happen. It's too late. He tries to turn a feeding frenzy into, oh, well, this worshipful experience. Let's do this. You know, look at the people. They're, they're crazy. They need me. They need me. So let's build an altar. And so their hunger prevented them from really worshiping the Lord because they're standing there now still waiting for food for all the slaughters to take place. He does the right thing in a ritualistic way, and he does this because he wants victory and not so much to please God. He's doing this because he wants to win the battle. How many times have we done things because we want favor from the Lord? You know, you just have it if you just do it. Verse 36. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you, Saul. Then the priest said, let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? Look at the last sentence. But he did not answer him that day. Man, just think, have an answer that day. Verse 38, and Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. And so we, we tend to do this with the knowledge of the knowledge, don't we? Uh, we, tend to, we tend to do that. We know the right thing to do, yet we do it for something else. I can't pray or do all this stuff because I feel like such a hypocrite. Anybody ever heard that? Everybody ever feel that? Uh, man, dude, I can't go to church. That'll make me a hypocrite. Well, you'd fit right in with all the other hypocrites. I mean, it's not a perfect place. I tell people all the time, they're like, yeah, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm like, well, I'm a hypocrite. And man, I plan to do stuff all the time that I don't get done. I'm a hypocrite. I'm just honest about it. Hey, Lord, help me not be a hypocrite. But why don't you just come on and hang out with other hypocrites and, you know, we're trying to work this thing out together of not being hypocrites together. So show up. But it's just a lame excuse. Well, you know, I'm going to be a hypocrite and continue to be a hypocrite and it's like man we that's what we are see we know the right thing to do yet we we do it for something else we're afraid that we're going to be a hypocrite see you know what god knows that he knows you're a hypocrite he knows why you're not praying or reading your bible or sharing your faith or studying his word way to get through all that is just pray just pray and tell him see in my own life i just tell him and i ask hey you know what don't change the problem i'm the problem change me uh, just help me get through this. But if I stay away from him because I'm the problem, the problem will never get fixed, right? If I stay away because I'm the problem, if I'm running from him because I'm the problem, it's kind of like chasing a shadow. I had my son doing that the other day. I said, chase that shadow, get on it, stand on it. I remember in PE, they say, stand on your shadow, and I'd run around. They're like, that guy, something wrong with him. I knew what they meant. I just wanted to have fun. See, God to bless a transparent, open, vulnerable heart. That's all he wants is an open, vulnerable heart so he can bless it. As opposed to the, Lord, please take away this. No, don't ask him to take away that. Ask him to change you in the midst. So sometimes we tell the Lord, please take this thing away from me. But really don't, because I like it so much. It's my favorite sin. Oh, Lord, take it away. No, don't. 
Oh, okay, I'll give it to you, but I don't want to give it to you because I'm going to hang on to it for a little while. Can I just pet it for a minute? Can I visit it once a week? I mean, it's weird that we do those things, but we do those things. It's like, you know what? Just get real in front of them and say, man, I, I really, I can't do it on my own, and you're going to have to do it. There have been things in my life that I'm like, I mean, you're just going to have to take it. I, I can't figure it out. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. So grab it and, and move it away from me as far as you can. And he does, and it hurts for a little while. And then you look back and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that thing's gone. Man. Look at verse 39. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel? Though it be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. So he's like saying, who did this? Who, who brought this thing upon us? We're going to figure it out. I think this is, this is the funniest part of this whole thing right here. It says, not a person among them answers. And then he says to all Israel, you be on one side, all you guys, all you sinners. You're, you're over here. And me and my son, me and Jonathan, we'll be on this side. This is ironic. This is like, all you sinners over there, but we're really the two that have sinned. We're, we're the two, and we'll let the Lord pick who did it wrong. Yeah, we'll show you. And so here's what happens next. Then he said, all Israel, be on one side. My son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord, God of Israel, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. So now the people are over there, and the, and the lot falls, and, and Saul and Jonathan are standing there, and Saul's probably going, bro, what's going on? And so now again, Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. And then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me, what have you done? And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I must die. Look at Saul's answer. God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. So they stand on one side, the people stand on the other. And we know because of the silly oath that was made in pride, it was Saul's doing. But pride always does that. It, it casts the blame. It moves the blame to another person. Oh, our pride tends to, oh, wasn't me. I, I told that guy to do it this way, but he didn't do it that way. And it's like, yeah, but that was a silly oath in the beginning. And so, Jonathan, because you've done this, you must die. Saul acted impulsively because of his pride. And there's no other way than my way, he's saying. So, you know what? He, puts a, he caused a death sentence on his own kid. And he stumbled the people with a fast as they ate the blood. You see how, how pride starts to work? If you have pride in your life, yeah, oh, who can it hurt? I'm just puffing myself up. But now we got a death on our hand. It's caused some people to sin, a lot of people to sin, just because of pride, just because Saul wanted to do this little thing on his own. So with the fast, they ate the blood. His pride was going to kill his son. He didn't even try to reason to defend his son. But guess who did? The people. Look at verse 45. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not, as the Lord lives. Not one hair on his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. And then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul established a sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. And wherever he turned, he harassed them. 
And he gathered an army and he attacked the Amalekites and he delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jishui, and he's got a list of names, verse 50. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. And now there was a fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him for himself. Now, that's a lot to read. So Saul really, really never had victory over the Philistines. He never had victory because he constantly would always trust in the flesh. He always trusted in himself. Anyone he saw as strong or valiant, he would say, hey man, come on, be a part of my army. It's kind of like when we see those, those guys that look good carrying the cool Bible and something like, hey man, come on, be a part of our church. Sign up. Well, we don't have a sign up here, but you know, it's like, we were like, yeah, come on, man, join in. Are we trusting in the flesh or are we trusting in the Lord? March with me is what he says to these guys, these valiant men. March with me on my path to destruction because I'll never have victory because I don't trust in God. Is that what some of us are here today? If we had a t-shirt, could we put that on our shirt? I'm on a path of destruction because I don't trust in God. I'm going down quick because I don't trust in God. See, all of us have made these mistakes that Saul has made. But for the grace of God, I can certainly go the same way as Saul. All of us can go the same way as Saul. But if it wasn't for the grace of God. So there's a wise man and a foolish man, says Jesus. One hears God's word and acts upon it. The other hears God's word and doesn't act upon it. And so for each and every one of us, what are you doing with the word of God today? Sitting under a tree, watching a football game, or actually moving forward? What are you doing with God's word? What do we do? Are we putting it into our lives? Are we going to live it out? Or is it just going to be, oh, cool, man. I'm glad I came to church today. That's pretty good. Some stuff I can remember. Got some quotable quotes. I don't know. There's a funny joke here or there. What are we going to do with God's word today? Are we going to live it out? Are we going to have pride? Are we going to be too prideful to say, Lord, I surrender myself to you today? Over and over and over again today? Or... Are we just going to walk away and say, hey, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends. You know, these guys are Christians. They're cool. And they'll be a good influence on me. And then eventually, one day, I'll get there. I'll get there. Well, today should be the day. Today should be that day that we get there, that we decide to live for the Lord wholeheartedly, 100%. Not, not a little bit. Not dabbling here and there and the worldly things, but 100% just living for the Lord in all that we do. And it's not saying you can't hang out with your friends, you can't have fun, but live for the Lord when you're doing that. When you're at work, live for the Lord. But when you're at home and at rest, what is your character? To live for the Lord or just to kind of do your own thing? We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. 
If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.